This episode is sponsored in part by Book Riot Insiders. Level up your reading life with a 14-day free trial. Insiders perks include exclusive podcasts and newsletters, swag giveaways, and the new release index curated by All the Books host Liberty Hardy. You can wishlist upcoming releases you've been dying to read and keep track of the most exciting upcoming books. Book Riot Insiders is utopia for book nerds, and you are invited. Go to bookriot.com backslash insiders to find out more. This is Recommended, where we talk to interesting people about their favorite books. Today we're joined by Julie Murphy, who chose Twilight by Stephanie Meyer, and Kevin Kwan, who picked People Like Us by Dominic Dunn. Julie Murphy is the number one New York Times bestselling author of YA novels Dumplin', Put-In, Ramona Blue, and Side Effects May Vary. When she's not writing, she can be found reading, traveling, or hunting down the perfect slice of pizza. Before writing full-time, she held numerous jobs such as wedding dress consultant, failed barista, and ultimately librarian. The movie adaptation of Dumplin' will be out in 2018, and the companion novel Puddin' is out now. My name is Julie Murphy, and Twilight by Stephanie Meyer is my recommended. The first time I picked up Twilight, I was a senior in college, and college was kind of hard for me to come by. I definitely didn't go to college, like, right after high school, like a lot of people did. I kind of flustered around going to, like, community college for a while, working at the mall for a while. By the time I did go to college, I was taking it really seriously because I was paying my own way there. And I was actually going to school for political science research, which was a really, I guess, heavy uh, major. And so I had like heard all this buzz about Twilight and I didn't know what it was. I was like, is this a show on ABC family? Like, what is this thing? I don't understand what this is. I really wasn't too involved in like the world of young adult books, like outside of Harry Potter or anything like that. And so I picked up Twilight and it was a couple months before the first movie came out and I read it in like maybe 18 hours and then I read it again and then I read it again, and then I read it again. And it was kind of like this constant diet of all of these huge textbooks about the downfall of the Russian Empire and then Twilight. Like, that's what was guiding me through to, like, my last semester of college. I really wasn't much of a reader growing up. I don't know, reading for me was kind of this luxurious type of thing, I guess you could say. I was really raised very blue-collar, and I wasn't exposed to books in the same way maybe lots of other people are. So I had read Harry Potter and had like that swept off my feet feeling with Harry Potter, but it didn't feel Twilight for me tapped into different emotions than Harry Potter did. It didn't feel quite the same. I see this at like a lot of like romance minded conventions with these women kind of like have like these really intense feelings about these books. And for me, that was the first time that a book tapped into me having like really intense feelings about a romantic connection in the book. Yeah, it was kind of, it was a different experience. I remember going to see Twilight for the first time at midnight. And that first movie, if it's on TV, I can't stop watching it. But it's awful, like awful in the best way possible. But I remember sitting in that theater and looking around at all of the different people who were in that theater. And they weren't the people who I had sat in midnight showings of Lord of the Rings with. They weren't the people I had sat in midnight showings of like a Harry Potter movie with. These were people I never expected to see myself with. And some of them were very much my people, but some of them were like middle-aged housewives. And some of them were the popular girls who I never imagined would even like 
look in my general direction, but kind of had this really odd, like unifying factor that I hadn't seen before. I don't want to say like I made new friends, but like it helped me like find people in my life who were reading it. And we kind of like renewed our friendship in a way. My very best friend and I since seventh grade kind of delved into Twilight together. And it's this whole chapter of our friendship. It's kind of amazing because it was at this really critical time of our lives when she was graduating from an entirely different university than I was graduating from. And she was like about to be engaged and married. And so she's always been like two steps ahead of me in life, always graduating before me, getting married before me. She's definitely had kids before me since I don't have kids. And so Twilight was this thing that we could come back to together. And it was like our shared thing during this really normally what would be what would be a difficult time when you might find like a division in your friendship or something, or you might have a difficulty like finding some common ground with your best friend. And I don't know, I've, I've been through that before with friends and I've sometimes come out the other end losing that friend. And so I have to wonder like how much did Twilight keep us together in that time when we had very little in common? I think that there was something accessible about Twilight that wasn't accessible in previous books. And I think it got me excited as a reader, but it also got me excited as a writer. Because for me, Twilight was the first time that I thought that I could maybe write a book. That's not a knock on Stephanie Meyer by any means. It's it's not to say that like her writing was so second class that I was like, oh, if she can do this, I can do this. But at the same time, Twilight is a book about a sparkling vampire. Um, and so I was kind of really smitten with this idea that if she could write this book about a sparkling vampire and get an entire world to read these books, maybe maybe I could write a book about one thing that someone might out there want to read. I think that Twilight, this sounds so cheesy, Twilight for me awoke two things for me. Like it awoke a reader in me who could appreciate what was happening in YA at the time, but it also awoke a sense of like, I could maybe do this. This could actually be a thing that I could accomplish. I had no idea that I wanted to be a writer when I was reading Twilight. I think that before that point, I had taken a stab at like every artistic thing I could possibly get my hands on. Um, but for so long, like as a kid, anything that related to writing or reading felt like homework. It never felt like anything that was just for me. And I think that it felt like this with Harry Potter in a way, but in a really big way, Twilight felt like something that for the first time was just for me. It didn't feel like it was reading time that was beholden to anyone else. It was just my reading time. Like I said earlier, I grew up, I grew up very blue collar. Like I thought that people who wrote books lived in boxes and sometimes they do. <laughs> but for me, I didn't think that that was ever a feasible career that anyone could do and be taken seriously and also just pay the bills. I could sit here for hours and talk to you about the critical discourse surrounding Twilight. I could talk to you about how it's harmful to women. I could talk to you about the awful parental figures in Twilight. I could talk to you about so many different things, but I will never not be grateful for the person that Twilight made me. And I, I've had the most incredible experiences in the world because of my writing career. And it's, I would like to think that I would have found myself here at some point, but I think it would have t taken a hell of a lot longer had it not been for Twilight.
I do think that Twilight has informed my writing very specifically with Bella's father, actually, because that was a relationship that I picked up on in Twilight that meant a lot to me for some reason. I was actually going through a really hard time with my dad at the time, and I think it was another reason why I like delved so hard into Twilight. That relationship, I was really smitten with because like while like you know Bella's mom was kind of like this like cardboard cutout of a parent it was really nice to see this very present father figure even if he as a father figure kind of goes against a lot of my feminist ideals it was really nice to see that in a YA book I think that there's a lot of criticism out there a lot of fair criticism out there about Bella and like how little agency she has and all these different things but it was also nice to see a girl who I very much knew in high school, like a girl who was quiet, a girl who didn't know what she wanted. And so I know that now it seems like we've had so many Bellas in the YA world, but it was it was nice at the time, I guess, to see this really quiet and shy girl get to live out this like sort of a fantastical life. That said, I don't know how much it affected my actual writing, except to say that I was very aware of what kind of heroines could get the guy. I think that Twilight really shaped what kind of female leads we're saving the day, we're getting the guy or the girl. I think that when it came time for me to have the chance to publish, I wanted to be aware of that. And I wanted to kind of buck against the stereotype that we'd built in YA for so long. I don't know. It's hard to say because there, at the time, there were things that I very much appreciated about it. But because Twilight was such a huge success, it became this every little thing about it that could have really influenced me in a positive way we ended up really like saturating our market with kind of I don't know it's a yes and no kind of question (laughs) I definitely have some failed attempts a supernatural love story in my archives without a doubt but I was never invested enough to continue going maybe I'm boring but there's just something really awful and wonderful about real life that I am really kind of smitten by so I wish that I could write the paranormal love story of a century especially because I don't know about everybody else but I'm ready for paranormal romance to make a comeback in YA like give that to me but I don't think I'm the person to write it (laughs) thanks again to Julie Murphy for joining us and recommending Twilight by Stephanie Meyer You can find Puddin, published by Balzer and Bray, wherever books are sold, and you can find out more about her on juliemurphywrites.com. This episode is also sponsored by Book Riot's Annotated Podcast. Annotated is an audio documentary podcast series about books, language, and reading. Episodes range from 15 to 25 minutes long and cover a whole range of bookish topics. Past episodes have covered how J.P. Morgan's personal librarian became the most glamorous librarian in the world, even as she guarded a dangerous secret. The wild story of how 1984 came to be written and how the CIA got involved. And an exploration of why we care so much about the Oxford comma that begins, unexpectedly, with a love story. A very nerdy love story. If you like podcasts such as This American Life, Planet Money, or 99% Invisible, we think you're going to love Annotated. You can get annotated for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts. Kevin Kwan was born in Singapore and has called New York's West Village home since 1995. 
He is the author of the international best-selling novels Crazy Rich Asians, China Rich Girlfriend, and Rich People Problems, which follow the wealthiest members of Asian high society and their family drama. The movie adaptation of Crazy Rich Asians will be in theaters on August 15th. My name is Kevin Kwan, and People Like Us by Dominic Dunn is my recommended. People Like Us is really a satire of 1980s New York's high society. It interweaves so many overlapping stories. There's a story of Gus Bailey, who is the narrator of the story, and he basically goes to a lot of these society parties. He's a reporter and also part of this social set, and he's also really kind of recovering from the horrific murder of his daughter. You go through that process with him, it's also the story of the ultimate social climbers, the Renthals, Elias and Ruby Renthal, who arrive in New York, and it's about how they climb the social stratosphere to the heights of the New York elite. Really, it's really kind of a portrait of New York high society in the late 1980s. I read People Like Us back when it was originally first published. I think it was 1987 or something like that. There were a lot of great rave reviews coming out of, about the book at the time. And of course, being a voracious reader, I immediately wanted to read it as well. I was fascinated by New York at the time and really wanted to absorb and, and enjoy this book as much as possible. How old was I in 1987? I think I was like 13 years old. I was a kid stuck in suburban Houston, Texas, dreaming of getting out of my prison and moving to New York and having a cool, fun life. I think when I was at that age, I wanted to be a marine biologist. <laughs> it's funny, but there was a part of me also that knew I, I wanted to be living in New York and just kind of, that's where all the action was. That's where all the cool things were happening. You know, I remember at that age, I was already reading Interview Magazine because actually I was on yearbook. It was eighth grade. I was on yearbook at my intermediate school and Richard Atkinson, I think that was his name my yearbook teacher, he had a subscription to Interview Magazine and it was like sitting always in the middle of, of his desk in the classroom. And I would read it and be fascinated by it, by this cool world I was seeing. And of course I'd been to New York, so I kept on wanting more of that world. I didn't know that 10, 15 years later, I'd be working at Interview Magazine. Life has taken its really kind of interesting twist. People Like Us is a book that I will read every, I would say three or four years. It's funny, like I'll, I'll think about it and I'll want to remember a story or something that Dunn referenced. And it's one of these books that the minute you start reading, even if you're in the middle of the book, you get sucked in. It's addictive. It's so clever. It's so fun. And it's hilarious and wicked, really, really wicked in the way that he satirizes and skewers this crowd of crazy rich New Yorkers. Every time I reread this book, I do have a very different experience because I've lived in New York now 23 years. So my experience of New York, my experience of high society in New York and those circles has deepened. I've become friends with a lot of the people that actually writes about in this book. So that's kind of a strange twist of how my life has gone into bizarro land. What he did really inspires my own writing and inspired my novels. It was the first time I, could, I read a book where I saw how he wove his real story, his personal story, and interwove that with fiction, with fact, 
you know, famous scandals and gossip that are well known, make it into his stories in the way that they do into my stories. And I didn't know you could do that with books. I didn't know that you could take real characters and thinly disguise them and play with their names and change them in a witty way so people know who you're talking about, but you won't get sued. I think People Like Us was very inspiring in the way that it opened up possibilities for me of how to chronicle a world that I knew and what I knew in the way that Dominic Dunn was an insider to New York high society. I knew about Asia. I knew about Asian high society. I knew about the elite circles, the old money circles, the establishment families. That was why I decided to write my books, because I felt like no one was really talking about contemporary Asia, modern day Asia, what's happening now. And what is happening now is that Asia is going through the biggest economic boom in the history of the world. More billionaires are being made every single day in China than anywhere else in the world. I wanted to capture this world and really show the Asia that I know and satirize it and make it a a fun, rompy, clever, delicious kind of book that people could be entertained by, but also maybe make them think a little bit. I think his books were fun and they were clever, but they also had a lot of heart. There was a social conscience there, you know, where he was able to, even within people like us, look, look at the class divides. At the time in the 80s, AIDS was still very much the horrific epidemic that it was. And he, he was able to go there and people like us. There is a character who is dying of AIDS, whose mother, who's this very important socialite, is in complete denial that her son is sick because she's in, in denial that he's even gay. It's his way in. He used this frothy, elegant world to tell all these different stories about New York society. And he wasn't afraid to go to the dark places and the dark corners of that. And that was, to me, very inspiring. If you read The Custom of the Country, which was written in, you know, don't quote me, but I think 1905 or 1906, which is about this amazing social climber, Undine Sprague, who is a character that actually inspired one of my characters, Kitty Pong, from my novels. Her book, The Custom of the Country, it basically reads like a whole season of Gossip Girl. You could pick it up today, flip open the pages, and begin reading, and it captures a New York of 1905 that seems just like New York of 2018. Just change the names a bit, change the locations a little bit. Actually, don't even change the locations, just change the dates. And instead of horse carriages, they're all in their SUV car services. And you have essentially the same story. Dunn really was part of that legacy, I think. He chronicled his age, the late 1980s, you know, the time when all the social nouveau society was really rising in New York. You had the Trumps at that time. Donald and Ivana were still married. You had all these people like Henry Kravitz and Carolyn Rome, and it was a fascinating time in New York. I'm going to reference a quote that he gave back when the book first came out. They asked him, how are the rich in New York different from the rich in any other American city? And he said, the difference is that there is this need, especially during the Reagan eras, among the rich, a need for self-promotion, which I've never seen in my life. I do think that a lot of them have gone indoors. But then there's the Trump's terrible, tacky divorce. I don't think it's possible to go any lower. I think they've totally ruined themselves. It's interesting that he said this back then. And look where we are today. I do recommend this book to a lot of people. Um, People are always writing to me or they ask me at, at readings. I love your book so much. What are some other books I can read that are like yours? This is one of the first books I recommend. And of course, Edith Borden's The Custom of the Country is another one I do recommend. And any form of social satire, 
to me is fascinating. Um, Evelyn Waugh, for example, I love recommending his books, Decline and Fall, and even Brides Ever Visited, things like that. But Dunn is much more contemporary. And I think for many people, they can read this. And a lot of the stories still ring true because a lot of the characters he wrote about in these books that he thinly disguised are still very much alive. <laughs> and still very much are at the top of New York high societies. It's interesting for a lot of people, I think, who haven't read this book to go back to it, almost like a sort of Bible to sort of understand the past of like how these people got to where they are now. I think given time, I hope people rediscover this book. I think it's still being read, but I hope that it really has, you know, another renaissance. You never know, 100 years from now, it could be considered as classic as Edith Wharton's you know, the age of innocence or the custom of the country. A few years ago, I was able to meet him before he passed away, but I was way too starstruck to say anything to him. So I just, I think I just said like, you know, I love your books. And he, he looked at me and he's like, thank you. You know, I think he was like curious as to, you know, at the time I was much younger, like this young Asian kid coming to one of his book signings, you know, <laughs> on the Upper East Side. You know, I, I wasn't the usual target demographic, but he signed his book for me and I'll always treasure that. Then many years later, Cornelia Guest, who has become a friend of mine, she knew him very well. And she told me, Dominic would have loved your books. That is so meaningful to me to hear. Thanks again to Kevin Kwan for joining us and recommending People Like Us by Dominic Dunn. You can purchase the Crazy Rich Asians trilogy wherever books are sold, and you can follow him on Twitter at Kevin Kwan Books. Next week on Recommended, one author talks about a book that was her everything growing up. And so this is all about a test of loyalties. So who is he going to side with? And what will you sacrifice for love? What will you sacrifice for duty? And the, the pursuit of the highest forms of martial arts. Who will get their hands on this legendary book of martial arts that was supposedly give the possessor of the book unlimited powers and so on and so forth. It's got every trope. It's got every kind of characters. Thanks again to our sponsors for making today's episode possible. If you like what you heard, please take a moment to review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We love to hear your feedback and it helps other folks to find the show. You can find show notes at bookriot.com slash recommended and you can email us at recommended at bookriot.com. 